Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, however you get your Bible, whether that's in app form or book form, go ahead and take one out and open to the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. It's way towards the back, almost at the end of the Bible. If you go to the end and back up a few, you'll get there. But we're going to be spending some time camping out in 1 John. Now, it's often referred to as the letter of 1 John, but most scholars that I read talk how it doesn't have a lot of the things that normal letters of that day and age would have, like we see in some of the other letters. It doesn't talk about who the writer is. It doesn't say, hello, I, John, write to you in whatever city you're in, and I bring you greetings in the name of the Lord, and all those things. None of that is there. And so some think this might be actually a circular sermon. In other words, a sermon that was proclaimed at one church, and then they would move on. That letter would then be carried to another small house church and would be read there. And then it would move from there to another. So this was an important sermon. There's something in this for us. And so we're going to be camping out in this. And I'm going to encourage you, in your daily time of devotions, spend some time in 1 John. It's just a few chapters. You can read it in, in just one sitting, probably in about 10 minutes. And so just spend some time there. Let the Holy Spirit talk with you in that time and just read and read and read. And we'll just enjoy this time of getting to know 1 John as we move together as a congregation. We often go in in cycles. We have a series that's more based on like a topic, like the invite, where we were talking about inviting folks and why that's important and how we do it. And now we'll move into more of a teaching series and looking at 1 John and what this means for us and how we live the proof of a God who is love. But it is so good to be back with you this this week uh, after two weeks gone with COVID. Although I tested negative twice, I probably had it. My kid had it. There it is. It's just good to have that done and dusted, have some antibodies built up, and we'll just jump into the fall, shall we? But I'm so glad that you were able to uh, do a few things. One, you guys invited And some people came and were a part of our church for the very first time or the very first time in a long time. In fact, the people I invited, they came and I wasn't even here. And I'm glad that they did. They shall remain nameless. But they came and I'm excited. It's so good that they were here and a part of that. And last week, you got to hear a great sermon from Dr. David Busick. If if you didn't get to hear that, you need to go back and, and listen to that sermon. Great, great sermon. And I think that this helps bridge moving from a series on the invite into our series on 1 John. Because we talked about how these get combined. This idea of 
inviting folks and why that's important and declaring the message of salvation in Jesus and this idea of being a church on offense, which he talked about, not a church on defense. It's going to wrestle with how do we invite and how do we live life on offense as a church, not on defense. And he's going to give us, I'm just going to give you a couple of, of nuggets here. He's going to say that one of the ways that we show, we invite, and we live on offense is that we walk in the light as Jesus himself is in the light. We do that together. The other way that we do that is we share our experiences of a God who is love. This is going to be an exciting time. I hope you'll plan to be here each, each Sunday as we work our way through this series together. To live life on offense, though, I want to I clarify something. Uh, Dr. Buser couldn't get to everything. I want to clarify something. To live on offense is not about being against people. Can I say that again? To be a church on offense, to live on offense, is not about being against people. Remember, Dr. Busick said hell is a place and a power. But it's not a people. Can I say that again? And I want us to hear that. Because sometimes we hear, we're going to be a church on offense. That's right. And we're going to make sure that we go and we put down those people. And we get our political party involved. And we do this. And that. this is not about people. When we are a church on offense against the gates of hell, Dr. Busick said, it is a place. It is a power at work in the world. But it is not a people. Don't believe me? We can go to another place. We can go to Ephesians 6.12 where Paul writes, For our struggle is not against, say it with me, flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil. So litmus test, when you're thinking about being on offense against someone, your litmus test is, do they have flesh? Do they have blood? If so, not your enemy, not who you're against. And you begin to pray against the power that hell brings into our world. And we are assured that those gates will not prevail against what God is calling the church to do. Okay? I want you to hear that. Because a church that's against people is not a church on offense. It's just an offensive church. And Jesus did not die to create an offensive church. He died and was raised again to create a church that's on offense and knows who's playing defense. And it's not people, it's a power. So if they have flesh and blood, you need to pray differently. And let's move in and be a church on offense not an offensive church. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox. We're actually in 1 John today. 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to begin verses 1 through 4. Just a few short verses in this opening part of this sermon. And so let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, 
We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you all may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write these this to make our joy complete. It's the Word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. We've got a few short things that I want us to look at that are wrapped up in this incredibly powerful opening. And so I want us to just dive right in and get, get to this. The first thing that this opening passage tells us is that our faith is for, say it with me, everyone. Our faith is for everyone. I mean, I don't know if you caught this, but did you notice all the plural pronouns? And they weren't, I just, I just want you to look at this. There are 18 plural personal pronouns. Say that five times fast. There are 18 plural personal pronouns. So we have we listed eight times. We have our listed four times. You have the word us listed two times. And even the word you here is that good southern plural you, y'all, is listed four times. This should tell us that our faith is for everyone. I came up with an equation. My son is doing algebra now. Got me back thinking about equations. Here's my equation. We plus our plus us plus y'all, it equals everyone. And we can never forget that our faith is for Everyone. And so John just makes that evident. He kind of ties it right into just how he even begins the beginning of his sermon. By using plural, personal pronouns. We and our and us and y'all and all y'all and here we are. It's everyone. Never forget our faith is for everyone. But just after that, we need to understand that our faith is experiential. And yes, they all begin with E. Our faith is experiential. We see this throughout these these few short verses, but particularly in verses 1 through 3. It says, we declare, and what are they declaring? They're declaring what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at. That word there actually means stared at, contemplated, looked at, spent lots of time looking at, and touched with our hands that our faith isn't just about these concepts that are just grabbed out of the air our faith was made jesus said or john writes was made visible actually was made clear was was put right in front of us we were able to see him we were able to look at him hear his voice touch him hug him be with him, we are declaring the experience of life. And he wants us to see, I, I know you just were dying for a Greek grammar lesson this morning, but I think this is important because we don't have this tense in English. It's the perfect tense. 
And it means it was a past action we have seen. Yes, they saw back then. But by putting it in the perfect tense, John is saying, even though it happened in the past, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. It has ramification. It it affects the present. There's something here and now that's going to happen because we experienced that then and it was in the perfect tense. It still has ramifications for right now, for today. Our faith is not about an experience that other people had thousands of years ago. Our faith has ramifications for you, for me, for you online. Today, here in this place, you can enter into the same experience that John and his group of we are talking about. Our faith is an experience. And sometimes I think we spend too much thinking, too much time and place too much emphasis on thinking we've got to get our arguments straight in order for us to share about this God that we love. And I've been saying to us over and over, and I'll say it until I die or I'm no longer your pastor, whichever comes first. We are called to declare our experience of God. And when you have experienced the God of love, when you have experienced the healing, the freedom, you can talk about that. Whether you have memorized all the scriptures or not, you can share what you have experienced. And that's a good thing. And I want to give you a silly example of this, okay? And so, uh, but it'll, it'll be something that kind of guides us a little bit. So I'm going to ask Lori if she would come up here for just a second. Let's have a hand for my, I was about to say lovely assistant, but she is lovely, but I'm her assistant. So here we go. All right. So Lori, if you could, if there was someone who all of a sudden just miraculously appeared on the planet, we'll just say they're an alien, and they've heard about this thing called chocolate. How would you describe eating chocolate to someone who has never had chocolate? Go. I would say it's like putting happiness in your mouth. Oh. That's good. I think that's a good one. Yeah. But what what else would you say about it? it maybe it's texture or it's something. Rich. Okay. Creamy. Creamy. Mm, yeah. Creamy <laughs> <laughs> Working up everybody's appetite here. So you would have this idea that you could describe it, but would it be easier to describe chocolate with words or... Would it be easier just to invite someone to experience chocolate? Okay, now now remember, this is not for you. You're giving it to someone who has never had chocolate. Who's never had chocolate before. Well, and that's probably nobody in this room. So why don't you just give it to Gwen? To Gwen? Okay. All right. Okay, Gwen. And Gwen can eat chocolate and experience happiness in her mouth and the creaminess and uh, all of the sugary goodness that's there. All right, you can go in and have a seat. Thank. Can we have a hand for Lori, my lovely assistant and partner? You see, there's this, this difference because the truth of the matter is, folks, that uh, 
We want them to experience something that is so much greater than chocolate. Something that is so much greater than chocolate. In fact, John writes and says that we want them to experience eternal life. The eternal life that we have seen with our hands, or we have seen with our eyes, we have heard, we have touched with our hands. That's what we want them to experience. I want you to hear this because eternal life has kind of become this religious term and we think of it as something that we wait for and when we die, if we've been good enough, then we can go on to eternal life heaven. And I want you to know that is not what eternal life is about. John doesn't say that in his gospel and John doesn't say this in this sermon. When he talks about eternal life, he uses the Greek phrase, Ionion Zoen. So we're going to try and say this together. We won't say it three times. But let's all say the first word together, and that is Ionion. Can we say that together? Ready? One, two, three. Ionion. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Ionion. Second word is Zoane. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Zoane. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Zoane. Now we'll put the two words together. Ready? One, two, three. Ionion. Zoane. I'm going to make Greek scholars out of you all someday. This is good. You're great speakers. But I want us to look at that. The first word, Ionion, is not about a quantity of something that happens once we cease living. It is simply the word that means perpetual. It is ongoing. It starts, but it continues, and it continues, and it continues, and it continues. And there's no end to the source of that. So yes, is it eternal? Is eternal a good word for it? Of course, because it's going on. But it's something that starts now, and it is perpetual that happens. And life, Zoe is actually both physical and spiritual, that there's a combination of God involved in your physical bodies that is perpetual and goes on and on and on and on. And it is so strong that when that body wears out and you take your last breath, you continue on in this perpetual life that only Jesus can bring. This is what John wants you to experience, wants us to experience, wants us to declare and show forth, to talk about the ways that we have experienced, let's say it together, ready, one, two, three, Ionion Zoane. The way that that life has healed us, the way that that life has set us free, the way that life has forgiven us, the way that life is coming into even the most difficult circumstances, it continues to go forth because it is Ionian Zoeing. It is perpetual, physical, spiritual life empowered by God. That's what we are called to declare. And a church that's on offense wants everyone to experience this perpetual life that is found in Jesus. That's our call. That's our message as we go and we show this forth. And we'll see this over over the weeks together. In fact, have you ever thought about this? We are so experiential in our faith that almost everything we do as a church is an experience. Can I just be a little nerdy here theologically? Is that okay? We're going to talk just a little bit about the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I know you've never even heard those words. You're probably wondering what's a quadrilateral. Um, The Wesleyan quadrilateral is how 
John Wesley and his brother Charles began to look at Christian development. Now, they never came up with it. It wasn't until the 20th century that a professor by the last name of Albert Outler, uh, Outler began to talk about the Wesleyan quadrilateral. But he said... John and Charles used something in their movement, their Methodist movement, of which we came out of, to say this is how we develop Christians who are on an offense. This is how we get them to show out this God who is love. And it has, includes four tools. One, and most primary, is Scripture. Then there's tradition. And there's reason. Those Go about helping shape our daily lives, the traditions that we go through, and the brain that God gave you working itself out. But he leaves something different. He adds something in there. He says that Christian experience also is a way that you develop as a follower of Jesus. I know that just blesses your heart to no end. But I want you to see this. Because he leaves open... The idea that as we experience God in Scripture and tradition and reason, and we begin to see Him move in our lives, in our day and in our age. John Wesley was in the 1700s. We're in the 21st century. And that Christian experience continues to teach us and shape us and move us out into our world. In fact, everything is an experience. Do you realize that Scripture is not just a book? It's an experience. This is the story of actual people's experience of the God who is love. From when He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, all the way to what we believe will happen when Jesus comes again. It is experiential. And we in the Church of the Nazarene believe that the people who wrote these things down were in an experience with the Holy Spirit as they wrote. That's why we say it's inspired, inspirited, that there was an experience going on as they were writing. This is an experience. And better yet, we believe that as you read it, that same spirit that was helping the writers of this story of experience, you can experience as you read. Scripture itself is an experience. Our faith is an experience. What is tradition and reason except our collective experience? That as people were living out their faith, they said, hey, these things, these practices seem to cause people to experience the God who is love. So we should continue doing them. That's what tradition is. It's the collective experience of people that's ongoing. Reason, the things that we think and move through, it is also a part of our collective experience. And then this beautiful thing that John Wesley adds of Christian experience shows us that God is not done interacting with us, with you. That you are called into something that you can see with your eyes, hear with your heart and your ears, touch with your hands. Our faith is experience. I mean, even the sacraments that we have and worship, it's experience. You come in here and you experience singing. You experience music. You experience your heart warmed as you hear good news. The sacraments that we have. I don't just talk to you about baptism. I dunk you in the tank. You come out of there soaking wet. And your hair, if you have any, is really messed up. It's an experience. When we have communion, we don't just talk about bread and cup. You have some. And you eat it because our faith is experiential and it is for everyone. Okay, I've belabored this point long enough.
You are called to experience it. Just like you're called to experience chocolate, right? (laughs) And you're going to be glad of this third point. Because our faith is not only an experiential faith for everyone, but it is expanding outward. We see this in verse 3 as John says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, so that... You should underline, so that... This is the reason why they're telling you this. So that you all also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to talk just a little bit about fellowship because that's a really churchy word. And we think of fellowship as having a potato bar and a salad bar and hanging out together. Which we should do. You should be here. If you're online and you're local, come. Hang out with us next Sunday. Have potatoes. Talk. People, that is a part of fellowship. But the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Koinonia. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Koinonia. And one last time for the sake of the Trinity. One, two, three. Koinonia. What does koinonia mean? Yes, it means fellowship, but it actually has the idea of a participatory partnership. A participatory partnership. That you're not just experiencing this to hang out. We're not just telling you this so that we can hang out and have potatoes and salad together or pizza or nachos or tacos. We are doing this so that you will have fellowship with us. This was, this was used as a business term. Like that you enter into a koinonia with someone and it's mutually benefiting the two of you. And so we're calling you to come in and participate. This, you are going to be with us in this. We want you to have that experience. And we want it to be a community experience together. And then we are on a community mission together. That we are called now to go out and talk about what we have experienced, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched with our hands. And go out and invite others to be a part and declare it to them so that they can be a part of koinonia. Do you see how this goes? It continues to move out. Now back to chocolate. That's right. I hear that. Amen. Not only is it great and easier to have somebody experience chocolate, but if we're truly about this, it means that it can't just stay with Lori and Gwen. It has to move out because ours is an experiential faith for everyone. And I'm just going to bless you this morning and let you know that where we keep hymnals and Bibles, there is chocolate there and there is chocolate for you. And I want you to experience chocolate. And I want you to open up chocolate. I know in the past we don't eat anything in the sanctuary. And probably Bruce and Jim's parents are rolling in their grave for me doing this. But I want you to eat chocolate. And I want you to experience it. It is there for you. Eat chocolate. That's good, isn't it? Our faith is not just for us. It expands out for people. Yes. Oh, look at all the happiness that is happening with chocolate everywhere. I think there's Hershey's. There's some of you with Kit Kats. This gets you involved. So you can turn around. If you don't like Kit Kat, maybe you just swap with somebody who has Hershey. You know, it's okay. This is about expanding out. Get your chocolate. If you're on this front row, you're going to have to rely on somebody to be generous. Go ahead and do me a favor. 
dig down in there and make sure you get out all the chocolate. I don't want to leave anything there. Get all of it out. Come on now. Get chocolate out. This is an expanding faith like our waistlines as we eat chocolate. All right. Everybody have chocolate? Who wants chocolate? You're experiencing the happiness and the sugary goodness? Good. That'll tide you over. We've got one more point to go. Because remember, the faith that we have is experiential. And it expands out to include everyone. And there is so much more joy that comes from seeing someone place their faith in the God who is love and enter into the experience of freedom and forgiveness and salvation than any chocolate bar could ever bring them. This is important. It is expanding out. Lastly, sharing our faith. Just like sharing chocolate with you is something to be enjoyed, not feared. If you've experienced love, to share that with someone else is something that you enjoy. It's something that that begins to do something in you. In fact, John would say, we write this to make our joy complete. That seems so strange, doesn't it? It seems like we want you to know it so that your joy will be complete. No, it's, it's so that our joy, there is something, and yes, some of your translations will say your. They're not sure. There's ancient translations that, that say both, your and our. Yes, it's mutual. But I want you to hear this today. Because sharing our faith is something that we as followers of Jesus are called to enjoy. Because it does something in us. It makes our joy complete. That word for complete is the word peple romane. You want to say that with me, don't you? It's just fun to say. One, two, three. Peple romane. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Peple romane. It means to fully supply all the way to the top. It means to cram, pack something full. If you're a gamer, I love this one. It means to level up. Like, like you're just so full of joy that you move to the next level of joy. Just like you might in a video game when you collect all your points or hearts or whatever it is. You level up in joy when we share the experience of this God who is expanding this faith to include everyone. That's exciting, isn't it? Can I tell you a story about when my faith and my joy leveled up because I got to share? Many of you know that before I was a pastor, I was a marriage and family therapist. And I was involved in a ministry at that time out in Southern California that dealt with men uh, who, were, who were addicted to pornography. And part of what I would do is I would lead worship, and there would be lectures that not, not given by me, but I was there then as a therapist, and I would work with a group of men. And during that time that we were together, those five days, um, I would have an opportunity. They could sign up for times during the meal so that we would go and have our meal somewhere else and do a little counseling, just one-on-one. 
And I'm going to call this guy Michael. That's not his real name. But Michael and I were in that one-on-one counseling session. And Michael had, had become so addicted that some things had taken place to where he was actually leaving that conference to go stand before a judge and be sentenced and most likely go to prison. He was scared. Huge man. Like six foot ten, you know, two of me broad. And he was sitting there shaking. And he talked about his life. He talked about his family. talked about how his grandma took him to church. But as we talked and as we were counseling and I was sensing all of these things and hearing these things, I began to hear from the Holy Spirit, has he ever experienced the love of God that sets the worst imprisoned people free? That breaks the power of sin? That the gates of hell cannot stand against? Has he ever heard that? And so in the midst, there was, a, there was just a moment where there was a pause and maybe some tears from him. I just felt like saying to him, Michael, has anyone told you about how Jesus' love can forgive you, heal you, set you free, no matter what that judge says a few days from now? He said, no. I shared briefly just some of the ways that that love had, I had experienced, that I had seen, that I had heard, that I had touched. And what that love had done in me, including me. And I wanted him to have that same experience. And I asked him, Michael, would you like to have that experience? And he said, yes. How do I have that experience? And I said, just pray after me. And I said the simplest of prayers for him. And he repeated after me. And he broke in the midst of that prayer. And here is a six foot ten, 350 pound man crying and weeping and asking God for His forgiveness and asking God to experience His love. And something happened in the heart of Michael because when he said amen and we stood up, he put me in such a bear hug, I thought, I'm dead right now. But I was going out telling him about the experience of love that was flooding his heart and setting him free. And in that moment when I thought I was going to die, I leveled up to the next level of joy as I saw life come in to Michael. As he experienced that great experience of what John says we have seen and heard and touched and we proclaim it to you. There is no greater joy you could have than to begin to share our faith. And it is so much more than just chocolate. You want to see your joy level up? Learn to share. Now, I I had you dig everything out of that pew there. We're going back to chocolate now, as we should. Every candy bar that's left, I want you to think that that represents someone. Who do you know who you want to experience, not chocolate, but Jesus? Would you take that chocolate with you this week? Would you take that wrapper? Would you begin to pray and ask God who is 
can be experienced today. God, who are you going to lay on my heart to begin to learn how to see joy level up in my life as I share what I have experienced, the joy I've experienced, the forgiveness I've experienced, the healing I've experienced. How can I do that so that they can be koinonia, they can join and have a a common experience and be a, a common ministry team together as they join us for every chocolate bar, there is space here in this audience. If you're online today, I'm sorry you couldn't enjoy us. Go out for ice cream afterwards. And buy someone you don't know an ice cream cone and then tell them why. This is how we are called, my friends. Ours is a faith that sharing should be enjoyment because it is expensive. An expanding experience that's for everyone. And we are called to be a part of it. Well, today, I thought the only way we can close is with one more experience. And so we're going to have communion. Again, I'm not going to talk about bread and cup. We're going to take bread and cup. If you didn't get one, there should be one back there. Or we have some here. Chris, I think, has some. If you need communion and you want to take, there's one back there, Chris. I want to invite you to come. If you're worried, like, is it appropriate for me to, to take, this is, my, this is my first time here, my first time here in a long time. I want you to know, if you're hungry for the Jesus that I've explained to you today, and you want to experience Him, then you take cup, bread and cup. The only requirement for taking bread and cup is to be hungry for Jesus. So if you are, take bread and cup. Go ahead and do the noisy bit. Open up. Get your bread out. Take the top off. See, when Jesus was about to face the cross, when He was about to show how far God's grace would go for us, He got together with the guys who had been with him for about three years, many of whom still didn't understand what he was about to do. But he said, I want to leave you with something, an experience. I want to leave you with something to experience. So he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. And later he he, he took juice and he wine, he poured it into a cup. He said, this is, this is my blood. Like, I, I want you to know that, that this experience is something that I'm going to experience the negative consequences of. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to show to you how far God's grace is going to go for you. And when I'm raised, you're going to know that that life that I have is now for you. And so let's take this bread and cup. Can you hold it for just a moment? Bow your head, close your eyes. As you hold what we mysteriously say is the body and blood of Christ, would you ask Christ to lay someone on your heart who needs to hear your experience of His love, His grace, His freedom, His forgiveness? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. 
And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. That same night, he took the cup, he poured wine and said, this is my blood, shed for you, preserves you blameless unto eternal life. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for this experience. May we be reminded now as we taste the bread and we feel the juice going into our bodies that we can experience Your grace and strength and power, Your love deep in the core of who we are as we take You in and live out Your love in our world. Help us to remember the faith that we hold, holds us. It's an experience for everyone. It's expanding out. And help us to trust that we can enjoy the moment of sharing. For we pray and we ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing as we go? And now, my brothers and sisters, my friends, both here and online, may y'all Remember that our faith is an expanding experience that is for everyone. And we are called to enjoy the sharing of that experience. May God burden you with someone this week. May God empower you to share your experience. And may you see your joy level up as you see that love move through you to them and invite them into the mission. I pray that you would go in His strength, His power, and yes, in His love. And I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.